Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we can rejoice in your presence. We can praise and worship you as the lifeline to our peace, to our joy, to our purpose, to our protection. We pray, Father God, that today your word would be blessed, that it would be the bread of life that feeds us, because you have said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. So we pray that the Bible today would feed us and our spirits so that we might thrive in adversity and conflict and difficulty and setbacks, even in prosperity and success, Lord. We pray that your word would keep us even keeled and balanced, O God. We pray that your peace would be established and the fruit of righteousness, Father God, would be peace in our lives. Bless our time together in the house of the Lord. Bless our time together with the people of God. And that from this day forward, we walk in the light of your countenance and in the light of your pleasure. That your word would not return void, that it would be a good seed planted in a good heart that would bring forth good fruit, Lord. Be glorified today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. So we, we are setting up for our annual marriage conference. It's called Live, Love, Laugh. Um, it is comical how each one of those sessions, uh, which was our greatest, thank you, Lord. It, in Santiago, Cuba, it was our greatest meeting with the most men. There was 300 men there. And, um, and it seems that they said that the government had cut off the power because of the men's conference that was going to take place. And so it was almost 15 days into our, uh, we were there for three weeks, um, uh, 21 days, but we were on day 15 more or less. And my voice was gone and all of a sudden no microphone. But the Lord gave me more strength that day than any other day we shared. And the men of Santiago were, the, every revolution in Cuba has started in Santiago because they're like the restless folk. They are the offspring of Spanish men uh, and they're the most serious. So we had a great time with them and, and they were really into receiving the word on manhood and, uh, and, and they, they said, you know something, you give it to us and we'll take it to the last um, the last corner of all these mountains and valleys. Um, so we're today I want to share because we're getting setting up uh, for our marriage conference. And I, I wanted to share a message called Marriage Forever. Um, that, that, is, that is a contradiction to modern understanding. Um, Elizabeth Taylor, one of the former uh, celebrities of Hollywood, 10 marriages, 10 marriages. Uh, so you figure that uh, today uh, the expectation of the end of marriage is what is talked about, but not in biblical terms. God never intended marriage to end. Uh, again, marriage was a union forever. And, and for some people, they consider it a curse. Um, but the Bible starts with a marriage. That's in the book of Genesis. Uh, you guys know the first two husband and wife, Adam and Eve. And then the Bible finishes with a marriage in the book of Revelations. Uh, the, the two, the groom and the bride is Jesus and the church. So the starting out 
the purpose of man's existence in marriage. And then it ends with the great wedding of the lamb. Jesus gets married to his wife, the bride. And so these, these two aspects are, are really settled in the heart of God. Um, man, modern man, flesh, carnal man, has divorced himself from the idea of marriage. Um, it's funny because a lot of the guys decide, I'm going to live with my significant other, but I won't get married. Um, and so the day George Smith, where's George Smith? Somewhere in the house. George Smith got married with Natasha. He had all the groomsmen and all the bridesmaids. They were his brothers. Uh, there's George right here. Come here and say hi to the congregation. Um, George was the first one that was brave enough. How many older brothers do you have? Three older brothers. None of them got married, and they were sitting there with their bridesmaid, and they saw George going into the circle to bleed and to suffer for Natasha. This guy is the happiest man on the earth with Natasha and his two little girls. And, and a month before you got married, you come into my office and says, Pastor, I got a deal. My mom says? Not to get married. Mama Bear, his mom tells him, don't get married. Hijito mio, por favor, no te case. I said, George, you better run for your life and get married fast. And, and so that was the best decision you ever made. But all the groomsmen and all the brides, the brides were upset. They were looking at the groomsmen like saying, where's my ring? Why don't you marry me? And so he set the example. Now your brothers have gotten married? Yes. One of them? One of them. One of them decided not to live with his girlfriend no more. And after many years, he decided to get married because of a godly example. Because of a young man. And I remember when I met George, and this was real, he came out to the men's meeting for the first Monday and he comes up to me after the meeting. He says, Pastor, you just said that I shouldn't move in. I'm going to let you say it because people are going to think I'm making it up. Let me get a microphone here. That was that first day you came and you asked me what? Um, that I shouldn't move in with my girlfriend. Because why? Because it was out of order. It was not But you guys right were going to move in the next day, right? Yes, I was going to move in. Uh, I was going to move in with her. We were not married, obviously. We were dating uh, or courting or we were just talking. And, um, and the pastor just put everything in perspective for me that, that, that first day that, that, that I went to the men's one. Yeah. A lot of men would have run, says, this guy's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to move in with her. He said, no. He, he went back and you told Natasha what? I said, we're not doing it. <laughs> you guys got to find it. a picture of Natasha and the girls up there because they, they can't appreciate what God did with a man that starts doing life the way God wants you to do life. Amen. So you told her, how did you convince her she's not invited no more? You can't come over to my crib. <laughs> it, it was difficult. It was very hard. I mean, I lived completely the opposite of whatever, you know, that, that what's preached here. So to go contrary to that was hard. But there was definitely a huge... A huge blessing. I mean, it was, you know, we're living a dream right now. So that's us right there. Look at Natasha and the girls there. They have a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband, a godly wife. They're, they're living a dream. They would have, you guys, would, how, how many years has it been already? It's been eight years since we met. But how, how long since that day that you were going to move in with each other? Uh, six years. You guys would have been divorced already. Oh, Definitely. 
<laughs> separated, destroyed. And they're living a dream because he decided, look, that very one day he comes up and goes, wait, wait, you just said something. He didn't even know me. He says, you said uh, I shouldn't live with my girlfriend. I said, no, because if you start out wrong, you end up wrong. And so he says, explain it a little bit more. The Lord wants you to get ready, get married, and then live forever, happily ever after. And so very few men do what George does, which is they listen to God and they lead their families. Because God gave that as a responsibility to the man. A lot of men want their wives to lead and you're cursing your families. Because the man of God should listen to the word of God and lead his family into the joy of the Lord. But, but that doesn't exist. Thank you for that testimony. I, I wasn't planning to do that, but it worked out. And so God's heart is that union. And it's not, you could invent, and I used to tell this to the guys, you can do it any other way you think, and you're cursing your family. But if you do it God's way, and it's not Joaquin's way, it's not spring of life way, it's God's way, then the peace and the joy and the fruitfulness will, will be a reality. When we talk about marriage, some people consider it a curse. I, I have some, a lot of men say, I'll never marry again. I will never go into that relationship. And, and, and we just say that they are deficient in their understanding and maturity. God's original design for man is that if you don't do marriage right, you aren't going to be able to do life right. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, a lot of people pray to God, but God says if you don't treat your wife righteously, if you don't do what you're supposed to in a manner which honors God, your prayers are hindered. What's that mean? That a solid marriage is a solid relationship with God, a solid love life. And when we talk about love, we're talking about unselfish. It says husbands, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible to husbands, and some husbands have not even read it yet, but the God has spoken. Likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding. What? How do I understand my wife? I'll never understand my wife. And then God says, listen, understanding means you honor your wife. Understanding is giving her a place of honor. And when you dishonor your wife, you are living with a misunderstanding. You honor your wife as one that God has placed as a weaker vessel. We'll say what that is later on. But there's, there's no way that God is talking about the capacity of woman to sustain responsibility or pressure. Because truly, they are powerful. She's an heir together. An heir together of the grace of life. So your prayers will not be hindered. When I see somebody who's having problems in life, I always ask them. A lot of people come up to me, oh, Pastor, I'm not having a good life. I say, well, how are you doing with your wife? Life, wife. And he's like, I'm mistreating her. I said, well, then God is dealing with you, my friend. My, 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 um, a real close friend of mine was the, the general manager of the Porsche Audi collection on Bird Road years ago and uh, show up at the car dealer and he says, I haven't sold a car in three months. He tells me that. I'm going through severe 
issues in my professional life. And I said, well, every time I meet a man who's having severe issues in his professional life, I ask him, how are you treating your wife? And he was like, what's selling cars have to do with a wife? I go, because there's a God in heaven that's going to cut your head off, cut your lifeline off. So I came back the following week, and guess what he told me? He called me seven days later. He says, I've just been served with divorce papers. His wife was fed up, and she was done with his selfishness. So that, that is the biblical construct of these divine things, and people don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. They think they can start an affair and cheat on their wives, and God is going to continue to bless you. You're insane. Look, the man from Amazon just got divorced. It cost him $19 billion. Keep an eye on his life so you can see the destruction that's going to befall him. Because the Bible says a kingdom divided will not prosper. And we'll just see that play out. But when I heard that God blesses him and prospers him and gives him a huge company, and the first thing he does is leave his wife, the guy's a dead duck. I don't know who he's, what his name is, but I just heard... Um, that he just got left his wife, and um, so that becomes a curse. Um, Titus chapter 2, verse 3, we're talking about the year of testimony. What does it have to do that we're talking about marriage for the year 2019 of testimony? Well, a world-changing testimony, the Bible says that the women should act in a certain way, being reverent, be in their behavior, not given over to much speaking wrong, not given more up to wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4, he says, they, they admonish the young women to love their husbands. That, that doesn't exist nowadays. If I don't know that Miley Cyrus, or we call her Siley Myris here, um, or Katy Perry, or any of these things are teaching younger women how to do things right. Madonna, all these people. But, but the older women should teach the younger women how to be excellent wives. Admonish the young women to love their husbands, to be great wives, and to love their children, to be great mothers. In modern days, people hate being wives and they hate being moms. And that is a blessing. That's the character of a wise woman. Verse 5, it says, let them live in such a way to be discreet, chaste homemakers that raise up families, raise up a home, good, obedient to their husbands, so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. There's nothing that discredits the gospel more than a foolish, rebellious, ungodly wife. Cricket, if this was a Christian church, everybody would be shouting amen, but we're just working on it. We're working on it. There's nothing more godly than a mother and a wife who raises up a family under God's blessing. And we don't have that nowadays, unfortunately. An older woman will teach a younger woman how to use Botox, how to get implants, how to wear stuff. And guess what? None of that stuff has anything to do with prosperity and blessing. And so... You need to find out how am I living my life as a wife and a mother, a homemaker, that I could conform to the image of God's purpose so that you won't live life with regrets, so that destruction won't befall you, so that the word of God may not be blasphemed, so that the teachings of God may not be spoken ill of. That's called the testimony. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took man and put him in the garden. This is pre-wife. 
and pre-marriage. The Lord God in the beginning, book of Genesis, this is how it was all put together. God took man and put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. A lot of people don't know what husband means. Does anybody know what husband means? You do because you come to this church. But husband means gardener. That's what the word husband is. If you're a bad husband, you have neglected. Neglect is the opposite of cultivate. Cultivate is that you put the right things in the right place so that things flourish. And your garden is full of fruit, which is sweet, which is ripe, which is inviting. What's the opposite? Neglect. You didn't do what you were supposed to how you were supposed to. So now you come to your garden thinking you're going to eat fruit. And all there is is thorns and thistles. There's bitter fruit of resentment, rebellion, disobedience. If you're a husband and don't cultivate right, you are not enjoying the fruits of your labor. So the Lord took God and put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And so a lot of guys don't want to come home to the headache. Um, some men have told me, Pastor, I've done nothing. I, how could I be responsible to this mess if I'm not involved? The Bible says, he who sows the wind reaps the whirlwind. If you do nothing, you don't just get nothing. You get all hell breaks loose. So the evidence of our lack of husbandry, that's what the word is. Husband comes from husbandry, which means keeping a garden. And so before you become a husband, you stand up there in a ceremony called the wedding, and you're called the groom. Some people think it's the bride and the goon. No, it's not goon. It's the groom. What's the groom do? The, the description of a groom is one who has the capacity to make something attractive. That's what groom means. And now we don't use those terms anymore, except you'll see them driving around town called pet grooming. The mobile pet groomers. They know how to make your animals look better. But there's no more grooms in the wedding relationship. There's goons. Goons gone wild. So you're not supposed to marry a man who's a goon. You're supposed to marry a man who's the bride and the groom. And groom is because he's going to make you more attractive than you were in your father's house. If you had a smile in your father's house, now you're going to have a bigger smile. Because this man will lay down his life for you. He's going to get a job and support you. What's a job? What's a job? Mm, it sounds familiar. But some guys don't want to have a job. They want to get married. They're not a groom. They're a mess. They do everything backwards. They're full of self. One of the young girls here at church came up to me years ago with a list. She says, Pastor, Pastor, this guy asked me to get married, and he gave me this list of 100 things. If I'll do these things, he will marry me. I said, what? <laughs> Give me that thing. I tore it up. You tell that goon, what are the 100 things he's going to do for you? Not what you're going to do for him. He, when she went back to him, he flew. 
I've never seen a guy leave Miami so fast. He was prepared to do nothing for her. And so thank God she married a godly man and she's enjoying the fruits of his labor. These things are powerful. The Lord took man and put him in a garden so he could tend it and keep it. And the Lord commanded a man saying of every tree of the garden you should eat freely but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and even good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die you're not to live by what you know you're to live by a relationship with God the tree of life not the tree of knowledge many men think that if they eat off the tree of knowledge they're good but they have no life and then their wife suffers forever verse 18 and the Lord says it's not good that man should be alone everybody say with me it's not good that man should be alone it's not good that man should be alone. It's not good that man should be alone. It's not good. Every wedding I preside or participate with, and, and I think next Sunday, Danny Gonzalez is getting married. Next Saturday? Saturday. And he will suffer. Um, but I always say, listen to me. You go to the marriage laying down your life. You go there in a manner that you understand it's not good for you to be alone. God will give you a perfect helper, a help comparable to him. He's going to give you help. Every husband who thinks their wife is not a help is a cursed man because she's not only your help, she's your perfect help. And if you don't join with her, you will not prosper. You will not prosper. A lot of, when I read this verse the first time, it's not good that man will be alone. I was like, yeah, I want to be together with a woman. But it wasn't physical, sexual. It was everything, financial, social, spiritual, all the joining together so that the expression of God's purpose would be a reality. The coming together, the not being alone. Uh, And and, and unfortunately, in, in many homes, this is not taught. In many homes... Um, they'll tell the, 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 their daughter, don't, don't follow that man, don't marry that man, keep your last name, keep your dignity, keep your career, don't become one with him, don't trust him, and everything's set up for destruction. But here, God is saying something different. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him, this is the first time he, he talks about what he's going to make, a comparable helper. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field, verse 19, Brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was his name. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. There was not found God's purpose comparable to him. So the Lord created man to fall in a deep sleep. And a deep sleep came on, verse 21, Adam, and he slept, and he, and, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. Then the rib which was the Lord had taken from the man, he made into, ta-da! This woman, he brought her to man, and when Adam saw her, he says, verse 23, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh how you take care of your wife is how you take care of you and if you don't take care of her you destroy you she shall be called woman because she proceeded from man she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave listen to me this is what makes men cry at weddings verse 24 
a man shall leave his father and mother. No, not my mom, please. They suffer. Cuando tienen que dejar la suegra. They, they don't want to say goodbye to mom. So I make it a purpose in every marriage ceremony for the groom to turn around and say bye-bye mama. And that's when the mama says, no, not my son. Uh, but this is God's plan. If there's no leaving, there's no cleaving. That means joining. If you don't leave your father and mother, you can't be joined to your wife. You make a monster out of the marriage relationship. And all the women say, amen, not too loud. Your mother-in-law's going to hate you. They shall become one flesh. The two shall become one. The two are one team. They're not playing against each other. They are one flesh. And this is, this is the dilemma of marriage. The dilemma of marriage is that the two have two bank accounts. They have two credit cards. They have two savings accounts. They have two opinions. They have two thoughts. They contradict each other. They separate. They divorce. A kingdom divided will not prosper. I was overwhelmed with this purpose of, of oneness forever. I thought it was a life sentence. I was in law school. And when they said, you're going to marry your wife forever, I said, no, not forever. Lord, why do you want me to be with Yvette forever? I've never done anything forever. Forever is a very long time. And so I stopped the car. We were going to the courthouse. I stopped the car. I said, I'm not going to the slaughter driving my own car. You drive. And she goes, no, you asked me to get married. I didn't ask you. I said, woo, woman, power. <laughs> so I said, okay, we're going to the court. But listen to me. As I was contemplating this life sentence forever, I asked the Lord, why? Why do you want me to commit forever? And the Lord answered me in Malachi 2.15. When I read that, it nearly blew my mind. But did he not make them one? He could have made, he had a remnant of the spirit, so he could have made them many. But why one? Why one? Because he seeks to bless the children. See, a mom and a dad that aren't on the same thing, a team are a curse to their children. Because he says yes, she says no. He says no, she says yes. She says today, he says tomorrow. Tomorrow is yes. You know what that's called? A split mind. The word schizophrenia. Schizo, slit, phrenia, mind. My brother's a psychiatrist. He'll tell you that when a person has a model of no oneness and no essence of substance, everything is divided. That's where the word devil comes from. It's speak twice. Devil. The one who, who there's no consistency. It says he wanted to make them one so there was no curse on the offspring because he seeks godly offering, uh, offspring. Therefore, be careful with your spirit and let no one act treacherously with the wife of his youth. Don't betray. Don't be disloyal in that relationship. Back each other up. We're one. We've decided this. Our children will say, our children are always playing between dad and mom. Dad says, yeah, but mom says no, and mom says no, and dad says yes. Listen to me. Come together in agreement and speak to your children one thing. That's 
me and dad have decided that this is what we're going to do. And that heals your children. And it keeps them from all this schizophrenia and bipolar and all that crap that's out there affecting and destroying lives. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus said the principle of let your yes husband be yes wife. And let your no husband be no wife. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. You create a curse in your family when there's inconsistency of unity. Do not be unequally yoked. Do not put different yeses and nos and maybes and I don't know in the mix. So these marriages forever actually have a framework in the word of God. Genesis 2.24, the man shall leave his father and mother, because if you don't leave, there's going to be a lot of opinions, and join to his wife, and the two shall be one team, one flesh. They were both born naked, the man and his wife, and there was no shame. They were both born with vulnerabilities, and obviously there's no perfection. There's no, I'm a powerhouse and never make mistakes. My wife is a powerhouse. No, we're full of mistakes. There's uh, nakedness, but there's no shame because we're trying to do the right thing and walk in God's purpose. All the richness of the word of God with respect to this concept is that a godly marriage will lead to an incredible household that will lead to incredible families and societies that are blessed. The disintegration of the society is when um, there is a disunity. If you read with me Matthew 2, verse 16, God says, I hate divorce. Malachi, I'm sorry. 2.16. I want them to be one. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers a garment with violence, with all sorts of leaving God's original design. Says the Lord of hosts, therefore, be careful to your spirit that you not be disloyal, that you not betray, that you not be treacherous, that you not bring your family down. Because I'll tell you the truth, we're living in a generation where the divorce rates are through the roof. I had people come to my office for divorces. One lady came in, she says, I'm here to have a divorce. I said, well, what's the problem? Is your husband unfaithful? He says, no. Is he mean? Nope. Is he abusive? No. Has he done anything wrong? No. But I know he's going to down the road. Nothing was even going on. And she was there in my office to get a divorce. Because she thought that down the road, this guy was going to do something. And the truth of the matter is, we must invest in our marriages in such a way, Matthew 19, verse 6. Wherefore, we are no longer two. Say with me, we are no longer two, but one flesh. So that what God has joined together, let no man separate. What God wants to build together so that he could bless children, so he could bless family, so he could bless society, so it's not a curse upon the land you might enjoy. When the Bible's talking about unequal yokes, he talks about the difference between enjoying the table of the Lord or the table of demons. You either do it God's way 
Or my friend, you're up a creek without a paddle and it'll curse the land. It'll curse your family. It'll curse your descendants. Women, respect your husband. Husband, love your wives. Colossians 3.19. Make sure that you don't do anything that comes up against a unity and oneness. You know it's from the pit of hell trying to separate the marriage relationship. Husband, love your wives and make sure that you don't cultivate bitterness in that relationship. Don't be bitter. Avoid the, the toxic scenario of bitterness. Avoid the pitfalls of pride. Avoid cursing your children because of the duplicity. If you get into the book of James, the Bible says like this, let not you be double-minded because you won't receive anything from the Lord. Who has ever heard of that? That when people split up the team, God says, I'm not going to participate. That's why the Hebrews knew the concept of being together in one accord, to being in unity, to being in agreement, because then the heavens would open up. But when there's double-mindedness, and let's go to the book of James real quick, chapter 1, verse 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives to all. We need wisdom for these things, and God wants to give it to him. It will be given to him. Verse 6. Let him ask in faith and not doubting. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, dry, driven, tossed, and by the wind. Verse 7. Let not man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. The God who has heaven and wants to pour out all of heaven on us won't give us. It says, this man, let him not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Who is this man? Verse 8, a double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways, can't make a decision. His, his every decision is, honey, I was thinking, no, we're not going to do that. Honey, I, I would, and vice versa. So it becomes a curse on a family, a double-minded family. They're supposed to be one mind. They're supposed to have the counsel of the Lord. Their children are supposed to honor their parents. The Bible says here, here is my opinion, here's your opinion. To honor your parents is to raise up his opinion above yours. And if you honor your parent, you, everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life. The two promises for that commandment. So these are the concepts of a marriage that lasts forever. Father, we give you thanks for this day. We have heard the word of the Lord. We have heard the heart of God. We did, we've heard testimony of the power of agreement, of walking in your ways, of being obedient, of lining up our lives so that we might prosper in all things. We pray that you would bless your people as they decide to align up their thoughts and their ways to your ways, Father God. That you give them a heart for wisdom, that they might prosper and be blessed in their offspring, in their generations in there, the children of their children might be blessed because there were godly grandparents, godly parents, and godly children who walked in the ways of the Lord. We pray that you would bless your people. Give us comfort, Lord. Embrace us with your presence this week. Prosper us. Lead us in the way we should go, that no weapon formed against us should prosper. And we rebuke Satan and all his strategic 
uh, schemes to make us fall and go wayward. We pray that you would bless the fruits of our hands and that we would have an opportunity to repent and come back to your ways, oh God. This we pray in Jesus' name and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. See you at the marriage conference. And I'll see you men's group tomorrow at 8. And I'll see you Wednesday at Bible study. Thursday, prayer service. Hallelujah.